I had to go out to my shed one night to grab a tool, and I needed my flashlight as I was rummaging around. I ended up towards the back of the shed, where my eye caught the end of a furry little tail scurrying away. I don't like mice, or most creatures that like to come out when it's dark. Fortunately for you and me, when God shines his light, he sees something completely different. Because the only reason the light has come into the world is not to condemn us, not to embarrass us, but the only reason the light has come into the world, and that is to save us. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. God doesn't want you living in darkness and in fear. This week, Charles Tapp explains, you have the chance to step out of whatever darkness you may be walking in right now and step into God's light. As he shares his message, have you seen the light? As we continue our celebration of the Advent, as you know, we have chosen as our theme, the light of his glory. And as I've been sharing in the previous messages, light is a universal symbol of both life and hope. But there's probably no greater embodiment of these realities of life and hope as in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you read the first chapter of John's gospel, he presents a very important idea, for it is here that he represents Christ, God, as being the light of the world, the, the light that has been sent to this world that has been engulfed with darkness. But yet he concludes by saying that in spite of this great light that has come to this world, there are many who have yet to see the light. And when John talks about seeing the light, he's not talking about seeing the person of Christ, but simply he's talking about the fact that they have failed to come to an understanding of the good news that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, John is expressing the inability to see light in the same way that many of us say when we ask a person, have you seen the light? We're not really asking them, have they seen the physical light? But what we're saying to them is, are you able to grasp what I'm trying to get across? John not only mentions this idea of Jesus being the light in his gospel, but he also makes mention of it in his epistles as well. And I want us to turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. Look at what it says. This is the what? The message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is what, everybody? Light, and there is no darkness in him. In this brief but powerful statement, John makes what many believe is the most powerful theological statement in all of Scripture that God is light. And what makes John's declaration so powerful is not just based on what John is saying, but it's also based on what John is not saying. 
In other words, John is not saying God is a light or God has the properties of light or God can shed light. John is saying that God is light. In other words, he's not saying that one of the characteristics of God is light, but what he's saying is the very essence, the very nature of who God is, that is light. And John makes it clear that this is not something that he came up with himself, but this is straight from God. And I think it's interesting that when you read throughout Scripture how light is used as a symbol, that the very first recorded words of God we have in the Bible refer also to this thing called light. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, and let there be what? Light and there was light. Genesis 1 verse 3. Can you imagine a life without light? For it is because of light that things grow. It is because of light that we have life. It is because of light that life is even sustained. So when John says God is light, in essence, he's trying to help us to understand that everything begins and ends and has its life in God. And by using the symbol of light here, he's announcing that everything begins and ends with God. And ultimately, God then is the standard by which everything else is placed against. Not a standard of righteousness, but God is righteousness. He's saying that God is not a standard of justice, but rather God, by his very nature, is just. He's not saying that God is one of the standards of mercy, but in essence, he's simply saying that God, by his very nature, is mercy. In other words, nothing is truly understood until it is first placed within the light of God because God is the true standard. He is the light. So when you read later in John's epistle, he makes it clear that we don't really know what love is until it's placed against the light of God's love. You and I really don't understand forgiveness until we understand forgiveness in the light of God's forgiveness. And grace is only a theological proposition until we praise grace, rather, in the light of God and who God is. So not only is God light, the standard by which everything else is judged, but there is no potential of this light ever being diminished. And that's why he says in the rest of verse 5 that there is no darkness within this light. So what is John saying? He is simply saying that God's love is the purest form of love. That God's justice is the purest form of justice. And that God's mercy is the purest form of mercy. In other words, we may not like what God judges or how God judges, but we understand because God is pure that his judgment is just and his judgment is 
right. But John's announcement that God is light here not only serves as a revelation of God's nature, but it also creates some implication for all of us who claim to be followers of this light. Turn with me to verse 6 of 1 John chapter 1. Look at what it says. If we say or if we claim to have what? Fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what does it say? We lie and do not practice the truth. John here is making a, a couple of very important points that we need to make mention of. And the first one is this, that if I as a believer claim to walk in fellowship with God, in close relationship with God, but I'm in darkness in contrary to that light, meaning I'm sinning, John says, then I am a liar. In essence, he's saying that my witness is a lie. And there are two ways as believers we can lie. We can lie with our lips, but we can also lie with our lives. And that's what John is talking about here. He says, if you've got fellowship with God, if you're walking in close relationship with God, and by walking, he's not talking about sinning every once in a while. He's talking about a lifestyle. If you're in fellowship with God, you should not have a fellowship of sin, a fellowship or a lifestyle of darkness. He's not just talking about sin in the context of a moment. John here is talking about sin in the context of a lifestyle. And the point John is making here is that light and darkness cannot exist in the same place at the same time. Because wherever light is, darkness has no choice but to leave. Simply put, a person who persists in a lifestyle of sin, John says, is really not in close fellowship with me. He may be fooling others. He may even be fooling himself. But John says he is not fooling God. It's like one person trying to be in two rooms at the same time. It, it just doesn't work. If you've ever been here for one of our barn parties, you know that we love to play games and you know that I have a very competitive <clears throat> spirit. Uh, there is one, what are you laughing at? There's one game in particular that we play for every barn party, and that's in the river and on the bank. Do you know that game? You don't know that game, you must not have been to the barn party. In the river and on the bank. And we all stand in a line, and the leader calls out, in the river. When he says in the river, you hop in the river. When he says on the bank, you hop in the bank. And he tries to fool you, but I always usually win the game, you know. But here's the thing. John is saying that you and I can't be in the river and on the bank at the same time. If you and I claim to have a fellowship with God, intimate relationship with God, he says our lifestyle should not be a lifestyle of perpetual sin. Because if we say we have fellowship with God, 
but we're living this lifestyle of sin, John says, you are a liar. In other words, you're not just lying with your lips. You are lying with your lives. The other point John is making here is that we claim to have fellowship with God, who is the light. We should welcome the light. So I'm sure some of you don't have this problem, but we were living in New York. I'll never forget, and New York is known for this. I went into the refrigerator, to the kitchen one night, opened the refrigerator door to get something to drink. It was late at night, but I turned on the light. And you know what happened when I turned on the light. All these bugs just started to run around. Now, some of you are looking at me like, that's never happened to me. You're lying. I'm sure it has. Roaches hate the light. They run from light. But here's the point John is making. John is saying, if you are really in fellowship with God, if I'm really in fellowship with God, I should not run from the light. I should welcome the light. Who says amen to that today? And that's what the psalmist meant in Psalms 36 and verse 9 when he says, it is in your light that we see light. In other words, it is when you and I are in relationship with God in his word that we begin to truly see the light. Look at verse 7. For now John shares with us some ramifications of what it means to be in the light. Look at what he says here. He says, but if we walk in the light... As he is what? In the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Just leave that there for a moment. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. What is John trying to say here? Simply this, that the litmus test for truly being in relationship intimate fellowship with God is that it should impact how you and I treat one another. In other words, John says you're fooling yourself if you claim to have a relationship with God, but you can't even get along with the person seated next to you. This is a theme that is prevalent throughout the New Testament. For even John says it in 1 John 4, verse 20. He says, how can you claim to love God whom you cannot see, but hate your brother whom you can see? You see, when I'm in the light, in the light of God's word and in fellowship with him, then it should translate into loving one another which means I need to be more tolerant of you and you need to be more tolerant of me. It doesn't mean that I acquiesce my opinions or my values or my principles, but what it does mean is that I'm willing to embrace you because you are a brother and sister in Christ in spite of my principles, in spite of those values. John makes it clear that if you really say you're in fellowship with God, then one of the best demonstrations of that is your ability to get along with your brothers and sisters, which means it shouldn't matter who's seated next to you. It shouldn't matter where that person is from. It shouldn't matter how that person looks. It shouldn't matter 
what that person's name is. If I'm in fellowship with God, whoever is seated behind me, in front of me, behind me, is a brother or a sister in Christ. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Have You Seen the Light? And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And this week, Charles Tapp explains, you have the chance to step out of whatever darkness you may be walking in right now and step into God's light. As he shares the rest of his message, have you seen the light? John makes it clear that if you really say you're in fellowship with God, then one of the best demonstrations of that is your ability to get along with your brothers and sisters, which means it shouldn't matter who's seated next to you. It shouldn't matter where that person is from. It shouldn't matter how that person looks. It shouldn't matter what that person's name is. If I'm in fellowship with God, whoever is seated behind me, in front of me, behind me, is a brother or a sister in Christ. If I'm truly in fellowship with God. And he says the reason that is because the same blood that covers you is the same blood that covers them. But look at what he says in verse 8. This is his second claim that many of us make. He says, if we claim to be what? Without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth or the light is not in us. If we claim to be without sin. He's not talking about the sin of a moment. John here is talking about a sinful nature. So in essence, if we're saying that we don't truly recognize ourselves for who we are, he is simply saying that we are under strong delusion, that we have deceived ourselves. John is saying that once we acknowledge the condition of our sinful nature, then I am brought into a fellowship with God, which brings me into fellowship with one another. But if I fail to acknowledge that my sin, listen, is not based on my actions alone, my sin is based on my nature, then the light of God's law and his word has not made an impact in my life. He continues and expands this thought further in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, talking now about the actions, that God is faithful and that God is just. What does John mean when he says we confess our sins? This word confess means to say the same thing. Did you get that? The word confess means to say the same thing. 
So in essence, John is saying that when you and I confess our sins, we are saying the same thing about our sins that God says. That it is our sins that keep us out of fellowship with God. And it is the sin, John says, that is a result of our nature. And there are three lies here that John deals with. First of all, there's the lying about our fellowship with God. John says, if you're in fellowship with God, then you can't be in darkness. The second lie is lying about our sinful natures, fooling ourselves thinking that our natures are not sinful. And the last lie is this, that we cannot sin and that our deeds are not evil. In essence, John's saying, you and I begin to redefine what sin is. He says, if we say we have not sinned in verse 10, we make God, not just ourselves, we make God a liar. I will never forget. I don't know how old I was. I know I was a youngster. As I've told you many times before, one of my biggest challenges as a young person growing up in my home was that I had a mouth. Didn't mean that I cursed, didn't do any of that. But if I knew I was right, I was willing to take whatever punishment you were willing to give me. I had to stand for the right. Amen, church? <laughs> we were driving along the way there. and My sister and I were sitting in the back seat. And my mother said something. You would have to know my mother to really understand this. Or you would have to know where I was brought up and where she was brought up. Some of you will get this. She turned to us and said something, and I said to her, Mom, that's not right. That's not true. It's amazing I'm still here today, amen? <laughs> she turned and looked at me. I'll never forget it. God bless her soul. She said, boy, are you calling me a liar? I said, no, Mom, you're just not right. She said, well, then you must be calling me a liar. And it was only the grace of God that saved me after that. Listen, it's one thing to call a person a liar. But John says, if you can't admit that you sin, that you go against God's word, step out of his fellowship, you are blaspheming God because you have called the very God of heaven a liar. In other words, you have not seen the light and the biggest lie of all is when you and I fail to acknowledge a true assessment of who we really are and what our present condition of God is. I believe it was Plato who said we can understand children being afraid of the dark. But he says the challenge we have in the world with men is that too many of us are afraid of the light. As children of God, as children of light, John says we should welcome the light. Because the only reason the light has come into the world is not to condemn us, not to embarrass us, 
but the only reason the light has come into the world, and that is to save us. For Jesus said himself, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In other words, that, that the world through this light might see the light. Because the closer I get in fellowship with God, and the closer you get in fellowship with God, a better understanding of my sinful nature I should have. Which means then, the closer we come in fellowship with God, the less judgmental you and I should be when it comes to one another. Because once I begin to truly see myself in the light of who I really am, then I can't look down at you because the same grace that saves me saves you. And the greatest truth in this passage that John gives comes from verse 9, that if we confess God is faithful and God is just to forgive and to cleanse. And the reason why he's faithful and the reason why God is just is because God, based on his nature, is faithful. And God, based on his nature, is just. In other words, what ought to be done, we can count on God to do it, even when it comes to being faithful to those of us who find ourselves in our sinful condition. So as we celebrate this Advent season, it's all about the light of God's glory. God's son who has come into the world. He didn't come to embarrass us. He didn't come to condemn us. But God's son came as this light so that you and I could see the light. To see our condition for what it is. And strive to go to God and see our sin for what it is, and ask God to forgive us of that sin. And because God is faithful, because God is just, that's exactly what God will do. So when we look at the Advent season, what is it really all about? It is God coming to show his people the light. But here's my goal, and it's just one. And that is to get in such close fellowship, relationship with God that I possibly humanly can. And what that will mean is that I won't see myself as some superior being, some superior Christian. But what it will mean is I will see my sinful condition for what it really is. And by God's grace, I will be driven to my knees to ask God for forgiveness. And when I go, the Bible says he's just and he's faithful to forgive and to cleanse. I'll never forget watching a, a TV show several years ago. And for some reason, this talk show host had several mega pastors on. And he said, I'm gonna give each of you one minute to preach to the studio audience as well as to the millions of others who were here. And one by one, they got up and started to preach. And I'll never forget, they were, it was almost as if they were in a competition trying to out-preach the other. And I remember saying to myself, 
what a tremendous opportunity they lost, speaking to millions of people. And then I asked myself the question, what would I have said in that one minute time that I would have been given? And it would have been something like this. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you and I can do to make God love us any less. You see, the meaning of Advent is all about forgiveness. It's all about reconciliation. It's all about restoration. It's all about bringing man back into fellowship with God, out of the darkness into God's marvelous light. So as we continue our celebration of Advent, presents are good, gifts are nice, trees and the bulbs, that's fine. But the greatest gift we can give during this holiday season is to bring to someone into God's marvelous truth, into God's marvelous light. Who says amen to that today? You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Have You Seen the Light? And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. So when we celebrate this time of year, it's not just about songs and lights and trees. It's about reclaiming something that was lost. In the midst of the season with all the gifts and lights and music, is there something else we've missed along the way? Next week, Charles Tapp helps you discover the babe in the manger, the greatest gift of all, with his message, The Lost Glory. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.